Morning, everyone. When I saw that I was on the road to, to speak during the series on Revelation, I was worried. And then I saw the passage that Simon had chosen for me to speak about, and I was even more worried. I'm sure that the four horsemen of the apocalypse are familiar to many of us. We can probably name all or some of them. And most of us know that they have something to do with judgment and the end of the world. If you Google them, you get many interesting images. Here are a few that I found. You have the first PowerPoint? And the next one? And the next one? The next one? And the next one? And the last one? Can we go back to the one before? Thank you. They even appear in The Simpsons. When the Simpson family sleep through a sermon, they wake up to the apocalypse and the four horsemen riding towards them on a red cloud. I think there's a warning there for all of us. Revelation 6 is not the easiest of passages to understand. So before I go any further, shall we pray together? Father God, you are the great communicator who wants to speak to us through this passage. Give us receptive hearts and listening ears to hear what you are saying and help us to apply it in our lives. Amen. To me, Revelation 6 reads like one of the fantasy stories that I enjoyed as a teenager. It's very vivid. Four times the lamb breaks a seal on a scroll and a different horseman is sent out to wreak havoc on the earth. The first horse is white, its rider has a bow and a crown and is riding out in conquest. The second horse is bright red, its rider has a great sword and is allowed to remove peace from the world. The third horse is black, its rider carries a pair of scales and brings famine to the earth. The fourth horse is pale and has a rider called Death, whose companion is Hades, or the grave. When the Lamb breaks the fifth seal, the souls of those who have been killed for being faithful in their witness cry out for vengeance from under the altar. When the sixth seal is broken, people on the earth face great cosmic calamities which terrify them and cause them to hide from the Lamb. And when the final seal is broken in chapter 8, there is complete silence in heaven. It's not a comfortable picture. Two weeks ago, Tim reminded us that Revelation was written in picture language to a church that was being persecuted. John used pictures that they would understand, and it was a message of hope that despite all they were going through, God was in control of human events so that they could put their trust in him and stand up for their faith in times of difficulty. Our problem is that we have lost the meanings behind the pictures, so it all appears to be mysterious and hard to understand. It's a bit like this. Can we have the picture of the bulldog, please, John? Right. If I show you this picture, what does it mean to you? 
what does it represent? Britain, thank you. And can we have the eagle? What does the eagle represent? America. Right, if I showed you a political cartoon of an eagle sitting on the back of a bulldog, you would probably understand that the cartoonist was implying that the US rides on the back of Britain's popularity because we understand the symbols. However, if the same cartoon was discovered 2,000 years' time, it might well appear to be deeply mysterious because the meaning behind the symbols has been lost. Can we go back to the Four Horsemen or is that too difficult? The Four Horsemen first appear in the Book of Zechariah in the Old Testament when God sends them out to patrol the earth. In Revelation, the same horsemen are sent out not to patrol the earth, but to bring God's judgment to the earth. Now, judgment is something I don't feel particularly confident talking about, because my understanding of God's judgment has changed as my relationship with him has grown. When I was younger, I had a very black and white understanding of judgment. You were either in or you were out. But now I'm not so sure. I think that we might all be surprised by some of the people we meet in heaven because God sees into all of our hearts and he knows our motives. He knows those who truly love him, although they may call him by a different name. Jesus is the only way to God, but I think that people find their way to God through Jesus in a variety of ways that we may not see or understand. But Revelation 6 is a reminder that judgment is a reality. Our actions and decisions do carry consequences, and one day all of us will be answerable to a holy God for the way we have lived our lives. There will be nowhere to hide from that judgment, and for some people, facing the wrath of the Lamb will be terrifying as they realise that the God they have ignored all their lives is real. Verse 6 says that they would rather have an avalanche fall on them than face the judgment that is coming. But those who know and love God will have nothing to fear from judgment. To them the Lamb will say, Well done, good and faithful servant, for believing in me when things were at their toughest. Revelation 7 describes it this way, the lamb on the throne will shepherd them. He will lead them to spring waters of life and God will wipe away every last tear from their eyes. For a church that was being persecuted, this is a message that they needed to hear. It gave them hope in the midst of their suffering. I'm sure that at times it felt like the persecutors held all the cards and that many believers were tempted to give up as they saw friends and family suffering and dying for their beliefs. But John reminds them that God sees the bigger picture. He knows their suffering, he's in control, and one day he will put all wrongs to right. I don't know about you, but sometimes as I watch the news and read the newspapers, it could be so easy to lose hope and wonder where God is. 
This year alone, there have been floods in Pakistan, massive earthquakes in Haiti and China, continuing food shortages in parts of Africa, increasing violence in Afghanistan and Iraq, incidents of racial intolerance, and in many parts of the world, people are persecuted for their beliefs, and we're still facing the consequences of the worldwide recession. The list goes on and on. Then there are things that happen in everyday life that can throw us off balance. Earlier this year, we were burgled for the second time in two years. In the same week, I heard that I was going to be made redundant when the funding for my job ran out in September. It was not a good week, and I must admit, I did wonder where God was. I found myself asking, why had God allowed these things to happen to me? It's a question that many people ask. If God is in control of human events, why doesn't he intervene and stop suffering? This year I've had several conversations about this very question with Ian's brother, Wayne. Some of you will know that Wayne lost his wife Jill just over a year ago. She'd been ill for many years with MS and died a horrible death just before her 48th birthday. In the last year, Wayne has not coped very well as he has struggled to make sense of her death. He would love to believe in God, but he cannot understand why a loving God would allow Jill to suffer and die in the way that she did. As I've talked with Wayne, I've realised more and more that there are no easy answers to questions like this. I could trot out platitudes about it all being part of God's plan, but I don't believe that MS was ever part of God's plan for Jill's life, just as I don't believe that the earthquakes in Haiti and China were part of his plan for the people there. He cares about our suffering, and he is in control, despite how things sometimes appear. He can be found in the most difficult of situations, and if, he allow, if we allow him to, he will work in those situations. Revelation reminds us that one day God will make a new heaven and a new earth. Everything will be restored. There will be no more tears, no more pain, no more death and no more suffering because the old order has passed away. This is the hope that we have and that we can share with the world that desperately needs to hear that God cares. I said earlier that Revelation 6 reminded me of the fantasy novels I used to read as a teenager. One of my favourites was The Lord of the Rings, and in a moment we're going to watch a clip from the last film, The Return of the King. If you've read The Lord of the Rings, or seen the films, you will know that Frodo, an ordinary hobbit from the Shire, is given the task of destroying the Ring of Power that he has inherited from his uncle Bilbo. The only way to destroy the ring is to take it to Mordor, the home of the Dark Lord, and throw it into the fire at the heart of Mount Doom, where it was made. It's a seemingly hopeless task, as Mordor is defended by all the Dark Lord's enemies. But Frodo agrees to undertake it, because if the Dark Lord gains hold of the ring, it would mean the end of the world for everyone. Throughout his journey, Frodo is accompanied by his faithful friend Sam, who never loses hope and always encourages him 
even when things are at their toughest. As they get nearer to Mordor, the weight of carrying the ring becomes too much for Frodo and he nearly gives up. But eventually, the ring is destroyed at great cost to Frodo. And the clip that we are going to see is just after the destruction of the ring, when the Shire has been saved and the rightful king has been restored to his throne. Now, I've been led to understand that the sound might not be very good on this clip, but we'll see how it goes. does not belong to one man, but to all. Let us together rebuild this world, that we may share in the days of peace.
you. You may ask, what does the Lord of the Rings have to do with Revelation? I think that it's just such a lovely picture of the importance of hope. Without hope, Frodo would never have been able to keep to have kept going and destroyed the ring. And without hope in God, many of us would not be able to keep going too, because we, as we have seen, life can throw many things at us. The theme for today is horsemen approaching my horizon. I'm going to end by asking Ian to sing a song called Hope on the Horizon, because whatever horsemen are approaching our horizons, we can trust in God. Hebrews 6, 19 says that hope in God is our anchor. The message calls it an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. And we need to hold on to hope in God and live lives that reflect that hope every day. Take me to that place Where miracles and wonders Are displayed Take me to that place Where I might see your face You are the hope on the horizon you are the only sun rising you you are the true north star all who fix their compass on you will know where they Faith lights a candle in a cave When love comes knocking Faith waits ready to escape Roll away the stone I want to stand unblinking in your light roll away the stone that i might shine more brightly you are the hope on the horizon you are the only sun rising you 
patron of stars, all who fix their compass on you will know where they are. Not all are called to die for you, but all are called to live for you. In holy and in hopeless places, faith stands straight and true. Faith comes shining through. You are the hope on the horizon. You are the only sunrise in you. You are the true north star. All who fix their compass on you will know where they are. Faith never gives up on the ghost. To walk on water, I must step out of my boat, trembling and scared. I want to dare to do what you command, trembling and scared. I fall into your arms. You are the hope on the horizon. You are the only sun rising. You, you are the true north star. All who fix their compass on you will know where they are. Know where they are. They'll know where they are. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right.